and Mark, great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to having a good chat. Hello? Hello, go on. Say that again. Up on the road at the moment. <laughs> no, I'm just actually, uh, I've just finished work. So I'm sat at my desk in rainy, oh, as usual, living Manchester. It living it up. Danny, I believe you know Mark from... Yeah, me and Mark go, uh, go uh, way back, as they say. So we used to play at a, a little village cricket club called Henningham CC. Got some great memories of, uh, of Boyner, my old mate, playing cricket, steaming in. From the uh, same uphill as well, Mark, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a lovely club to to grow up grow up at, wasn't it, Dan? Uh, beautiful setting, uh, really nice people, and I think what's happened there, maybe not by coincidence, after we've left, they've 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 kept climbing up the leagues as well. So they're they're playing against some clubs that we might not have thought that that, that we would have done all those years ago. Um, but there'd always been some good players there like well your dad for example is a terrific bowler and and a couple of the others over the years so um it seems like it's a good place to be be playing cricket and whenever i go back it's just lovely to remind myself of that that tranquil setting in the countryside and what for a lot of people cricket yeah really mate, all about. it is it's just a, a lovely place lovely people and so many good memories so uh is this where i need to do the the whole there are other cricket clubs available <laughs> right there are other <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah, so yeah. no, it's um, it's one certainly close to to my heart, and some of the old guard are still there, so uh, that's really nice to see. But as Boynton said, they are certainly uh, improving and playing a decent standard of cricket, so really nice to see. But um, should we crack on? We yes, come on, let's do this. Um, so for the listeners that don't know, Mark uh, is the founder of Opening Up Cricket. We're going to ask Mark a million questions about it in a minute, but uh, we've got. A long, long script, should we call it? Is it a long, long script? It's not too bad, is it? No, it's, right. it's not too bad. Uh, well, we've got a few things we want to try and get across to to you guys as listeners um, that will help out in playing, coaching, all, all kind of forms of cricket and life and, uh, and everything that goes with it. But, uh, Mark, do you want to give us a little bit of background on opening up? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, well, I think the if we kind of go backwards um now in 2019 uh we're into the fifth year of going out to clubs coaches and groups and talking about uh two themes which overlap one is mental well-being mental health mental fitness whatever we want to call it and also suicide prevention so we exist entirely in the kind of sphere of cricket we work with people in our sport because that's where our um, our experience is. And, and this really goes back. The, the origins of it are going back now to 2012, December of that year, when a friend of mine at my club that I've, that I've played at now for 15, 16 years up in Liverpool, where I, where I live, a good friend of mine, um, a fellow called Alex Miller, took his own life. So what that left myself and 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 friends and teammates with was a lot of questions and a a really difficult period for the club to get through because we'd lost someone who was uh, the the most enthusiastic and the best trainer at the club someone who for a lot of people all they saw was the positive side of him the the energetic um person on the training pitch or or on the on the ground itself um but had but had been dealing with a lot of things that that were very, very difficult for him. Um, 
and what that made me think in the time that passed afterwards was that this this just this can't happen that that, that someone feels just so desperate and and so without hope that they that they take their own life so after a, a year or so of just doing research and, and trying to find out what I could do uh, I was I was influenced uh, really positively by a group in rugby league called State of Mind, um, and, and having attended one of their sessions, I thought well, I'll, I'll try and give something a go in in cricket, the sport which I've been involved with ever since I can remember um, as as a, a player, not not a good one, but as as someone who's who's played for a long time and who's been involved in kind of management and coaching more more recently and this it's kind of emerged from there and I think the best way to, to describe it is that in the, the first instance there was a lot of knocking on knocking on doors well online version of that at least and trying to get people interested trying to say to them this is something that you need to take seriously and what I've noticed over the last um, year or two is that there's a much better general awareness of of mental health being an issue so we see a lot in the in the media of mental health awareness as a term so people are looking out for something but my view is that in sport and in the world in general we can do a lot more than just say be aware of it and try and do things which are good for people's mental health so that not only can we prevent the worst instances of, of things like that which happened to Alex but also to promote generally a more positive experience of sport and life because at the end of the day we play cricket uh, because we want to want to enjoy it and we do it as a release from our week at work or at school or college or whatever so it's just trying to use that vehicle of cricket the thing that we we love to to make a little bit of a difference in in the rest of our lives you spoke about the change in the last one to two years what do you think has altered that or affected that? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think it's a mixture of the the general awareness on on the kind of the the internet, particularly, and in and general discourse around the around the country. I, I I struggle to to view it objectively because my timelines on social media or the stuff I read on the internet are really focused around this, so I always see it, but um. I think that there's generally a lot more people in the public eye talking about their their experiences. You get a lot more sports people saying where they've had struggles and and, and so on. Um, so that that contributes mm. partly to it. I mean, from, think from our perspective, the more sessions you do, the more likely you are to have people recommending them to to other people. So. I think that helps when someone gets in touch and says, oh, you did this at X club. Could you do it here? Um, so, so that certainly helps. But what we see a lot, and I, I read something about today, the different political parties are talking about how much money they're going to spend on, on mental health. There's still a real focus on mental health care in that when people get sick or they get unwell. And of course, that's needed. But I get frustrated and think, why isn't there more conversation about stopping people getting unwell? Um, so maybe with all that extra yeah. attention on it, the conversation now can just move on and mature prevention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think when we think about physical illnesses, uh, I mean, I always think I always use the heart as, as an example. We don't wait until someone has a heart attack or is suffering with angina before we talk about what is good for your heart and things you should avoid. Now, of course, 
we're all guilty of doing things which aren't good for our health, whether it's physical or, or mental. But at least with physical health, with, there is a lot more um, understanding of what's good and what isn't. And then people make their own decisions. Um, and we know that by being physically active, there's benefits beyond just preventing, for example, heart attacks. There's benefits then to actually living a, a more healthy, fulfilled life. And the same applies mentally. So if we do a bit more to think about yeah, we want to prevent people being in these horrible situations where they're struggling with um, clinical depression or anxiety or whatever else. But we also want to say, yeah, you want to avoid that as, a, as, as one bit, but also you want to tap into some of the mental health things and the mental skills to help you as a player, help you as, um, as an individual and as a group of people as well. Yeah, OK. I think you talked about social media. And so it's a little bit off topic, actually. I've kind of broken up broken off but i was going through twitter the other day and at least 60 percent, 70 percent of it was all negative stuff around oh, whether it was politics or whether it was people or what people are doing or and there's not actually enough focus on the good stuff that's going on and how people are battling things and fighting back from things so it gives these people um belief almost the right word yeah 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 no i think you're i think you're right i I think the most powerful thing about a pro sports person whether it's a cricketer or otherwise talking about their their experience is for me anyway it's not the bit particularly when they go through the symptoms and and what the problems were because generally speaking now i think people are much better at understanding what the symptoms look like of course we can do work to talk about how they might present themselves in in certain settings but generally we can we can see a, 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 a quite similar group of factors which which people would ex, would experience it's how they get through it that's really really important and can be really really motivational to people who might be struggling themselves to know that there's um a chink of light at the end of it like i, I spoke to a player um oh, it would have been about a week or two weeks ago professional cricketer who's had a lot of problems um, around, well, the general problems that pro cricketers have, you know, worries about form, being picked, uh, contracts being renewed. But they had time out of the game due to um, mental ill health. And the discussion that we had was was all about what they've done to, to, to be able to be more resilient, to be able to be, to cope with things which previously they didn't have the, 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 the tools to do. And that's not saying that they'll never get mentally ill again but just to say they're able to spot things a bit earlier and maybe it won't be as bad and they use certain things to improve their their game and that for me as someone who's been spending years reading about it listening to it doing everything with it that even for me was really powerful so I thought if that was extended even further then there'd be young people old people whoever would be able to go oh I get that I can I can yeah, do some of those things relate to. I guess you just wrote down a name that yeah so I mean obviously the um there's obviously the mental health awareness campaign by the NHS and the public health and um, with every mind matters. And that's, it's quite interesting to see that there's a couple of cricketers on that, on the advert and on the kind of promotion and support of that with Freddie Flintoff and Sarah Taylor, both who have been quite open and honest about their mental health. And it's good to see that cricket's at the forefront of that and supporting it. Um, I suppose what I, I find difficult is, and it's exactly what you said when you go into back to the, analogy of the heart is it's I think we just people are very much aware of it when it happens rather than trying to prevent it so that the Glenn Maxwell 
stuff that's come out recently. A lot of people are speaking about it, but that's because it's happened. How good is that? Mm. Yeah, it's great. And fair play to him coming out. And and I think these stories are really important. But I think what we need to think about in the in the cricket world, in the cricket family, is what can we actually do to offer to support this and try and prevent prevent it from happening, or at least just try and support in some way whatsoever. And, so yeah, I think it's quite difficult to do, but obviously we we've got links with opening up, which is great. Hence yeah. the podcast. Um, I know Mark's in a bit for us um, with some of our coaches, which is good, and hopefully yeah. we're going to look to extend it. And local coaching teams and stuff with complete and whatnot. Well. Yeah, local coaching teams. Yeah, complete cricket have Mark in as well. So um, it's good to see that we're starting to do and offer a bit more, and hopefully the the campaign that I mentioned will start and push people to, to talk and to ask twice and make sure they're not afraid to, to have those conversations, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, Dan, I think that's that's it, mate. The, the the key is we're getting really good, which is which is a, a world away from where it used to be, at giving people some support when things are, are going badly. Glenn Maxwell is a brilliant example um, I, I've done quite a bit of reading over the years about about Justin Langer and his approach to things. He's a big fan of uh, of meditation. He takes the mental side of the game as seriously, if not more seriously, than than the physical side of it. And his comments after Glenn had said um, that he was he, he was going to take some time out of the game because he, he's not well, um, they were just kind of almost textbook what you'd want someone to say that that they'd identified something that was happening. They were able to give that support. Now. That seemed like that it was it was pretty pretty proactive. Obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of the, the situation, but we've got to that point whereby people perhaps are feeling more comfortable in in say that that environment at the very top about speaking about things. I, I remember doing a a, a, a panel oh, a few years ago up here with some guys from who run a Liverpool football club kind of fanzine called the Anfield Rap and Stan Collymore was on it and he said when he was at Aston Villa in the what was that the late 90s yes there was the opportunity to have a you know maybe if you wanted to you could see a sports psychologist there was the doctor there and so on but the culture was that you're not going to speak to to them because if you're going to say that you're taking time out of the game because of a mental injury then people just get straight away on you thinking that you, you're weak and so on and your place goes. And that was the perception, even if it wasn't the, uh, the, the reality. Now you've got examples of people who, who take time out of the game because of their, their mental health and Maxwell being the most recent high profile example. But yeah, it is about what we do to try and stop, um, to, to do what we can to prevent people being in a situation where they need to, to, to take time out and, and sometimes just like any other illness or injury it will happen and and it will be something that's 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 difficult to do anything about but i think there's a there's big scope in particularly our our recreational or, or amateur game just to do a little bit more to provide an environment where people do feel a little bit more confident about seeking help and i put something on social media uh, last week or, or, or the week before that the All Blacks coach said about vulnerability. Now, they're world leaders in how they organise their team culture and and they get the results more often than, than not. And he was saying, for them, it's all about giving people the permission to be vulnerable, to talk about how they're feeling. And what we do in response to that will dictate 
how they get on. We let them do it and we, we let them speak about it. Then they, they get all the options to be able to be helped. We shut it down in whatever way, then they probably won't speak about it again. So the simplest things are the ones which we overlook that actually making it an issue in a club, in a group saying, everyone's got mental health in this room. So if someone's ever struggling with it, you know that you can you can speak to us and, and the people you're speaking to aren't necessarily going to be the ones providing you with specialist support if it needs it, but they can get you in that uh, along that line. And just like we do with physical health, we don't hide that. We don't think that um, just be, someone will think we're weak because we've got a bad ankle, bad knee or whatever. We do talk about it and we get the help. So it's just making it a topic and getting it, However, people in individual settings want to do it, just getting them to think it is important and it will help that's everyone. The thing. If, you, if you've sprained your ankle or, I don't know, got an infected cut on your arm or something, I just showed my arm to everybody, by the way, just in case you're yeah. unsure, um, is that you go and get it sorted and you go and get some advice or some help or whatever. But then if you may be feeling low or down or just whatever you're feeling, you just sit there and do it. There's no. So the there's no, there's there's less options to to deal with it, maybe. Yeah, uh, uh, one of the ways of kind of the ways of thinking about it, and I, I spend a lot of time thinking about it just myself and, and with with clubs or people that I, I come into contact with, is just trying to make this this area of our sport first and foremost make it an make actually make it an area of the sport, make it something that when people are considering all the things, say in a club setting. You've got, yeah, your internet, you've got this, you've got that, you've got your child welfare officer, you've got your secretary, you've got everything like that. What are you doing about mental health? It doesn't have to be some grand project where you're going to bring a therapist in, where you can have all of this. Just is it something that you can do something on? And what's the first step going to be? Is it just putting some posters up to say, you know, these is, this is a helpline if you need it, starting the conversation that way. But the best way of, of trying to do it is integrating this, this, um, this option for people to talk in what you do generally. So we spend, you know, in, in, in cricket, if you've got groups of players there, you spend a lot of time talking about things which are their mental health or fitness, about their confidence, about their decision-making. And it's not too much of an extension with that supportive environment to, to, to throw in some, some questions or some prompts around that and saying, you know, you know how are you feeling about your game? You feel like you're informed. You feel like you're doing well. Great. You know, it's then just a little bit of saying is to someone, why are you feeling good? Yeah, oh, that's great. If someone's not feeling too good, it's like, is it just cricket or, you know, is there anything else bothering you? That's easy for me to say on the end of a, a phone. But if people are thinking about it being such a big topic that they can't engage with because it's so off-putting, because we get all these statistics about problems and uh, and worries, just bring it down to our own level and say, right, how would the people that I already have contact with, that I already have good relationships with, how can I just make it an option for them to talk about this area and make it as normal and everyday as possible so that actually we're probably not even calling it mental health. We're just saying this is part of our, our club environment and we, and we look out for each other a bit more. You say that to any player, any coach, any captain, do you want to look out for your teammates? Of course they do. It's just a way of just giving them that nudge and saying, yeah, we can all do it. Um, and it's just finding our own way within yeah, that. Mate, you're making me think really hard about how, like, when I'm coaching, I I want to put my players under as much pressure as possible and be a stretch to try and improve them. But obviously that may have its consequences, both from the positive and the negative. And then there's obviously the discussion afterwards.
just where we discuss, oh, how, how have you performed in X, Y, and Z, but never really go into that kind of how are you, how are you feeling kind of chat, I suppose, because we're so busy focusing on the physical performance point of view. But I think from, a, from my point of view, from a coaching, when I'm coaching, I think if you, if you can set that environment that you just said that the kids and the, the players know that it's quite an open environment for you to have a conversation about and to chat about anything, not just always about your performance, then hopefully some of those things will start and come out. I think what our job is as a, as a board and potentially using you, Mark, as well, is just to give coaches the knowledge of where they can then further seek support if needed. So if there is something that comes out about a player or themselves, then where do they go and seek help? And that's why I think, again, going back to this NHS, every mind matters thing, I think it's great. The stuff that you do with opening up cricket, we try and get as much as possible, put as much on. I think we just need to make sure we can support people with knowing where they can push and support their players and themselves, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things which comes out, particularly working with, with coaches, I was with um, coaches from a, a county board pathway uh, going back, I think it was last month or the month before, and we had a chat about resilience. And we said, right, what is it that um, that, that we can do with, with young players, this was, um, to build their resilience as a kind of mental skill or as a mindset or also as something which is just good for make, for people's mental health and making them mentally healthier. And all the things that we discussed are things that these coaches and managers yeah. often already do. And sometimes they were thinking, hang on, you know, I already do that, but I didn't call it mental health. But now I, I know that I'm looking after their mental health as well as looking after that. And the things about pressure and stretching players, a lot of the stuff around, around mental health can be about when people are... Um, not capable of, of doing what they usually would because they're unwell. Just like, you know, if we've got an injured injured player physically, we wouldn't expect them to be able to bowl at their quickest or, or bat at their best. But what we can be doing with the with the, the elements of when someone is working well, they are performing well, and putting that bit of pressure on them is just be saying to them how much this skill, these skills that they're using to perform under pressure are transferable, particularly with the young players when they've got their exam stresses, they've got stuff going on in their lives which um which is a lot different to perhaps when we were growing up with the, with the advent of the, the smartphone and, and all, all of that is saying the things that you do in cricket your problem solving your decision making your ability to, to, to switch on and switch off are all good things that you can use use elsewhere but they're skills you know they're things which which can be refined and the thing in a kind of coach's toolbox or toolkit all the technical things that that you guys do are there and then maybe it's just helpful to have that focus from a different perspective from that the health angle and saying yeah the health's there to look after the welfare of your players but a healthier fitter player is going to perform better yeah. and there's then just that little those things that you can signpost them towards and saying there might be an exercise there might be an app there might just be something which isn't tangible like that but is a way of thinking that you might try to get across you might I often, it's it's cheesy, it's American, but some of the motivational quotes that you get from people, like the great Michael Jordan one about how many times he's failed and that's why he's a success. 
for some people they write it off but for others they'll think well actually yeah i'm not i'm not wrong or i'm not getting these things i'm not doing badly by get by making these mistakes i'm actually going to learn from them so that my decision making is better in future or i get it right so it's it is the the bit like you say just yeah introducing the conversation making it a topic but then letting people be empowered to say right in a situation now i know what i would do if this happened because i've got a bank of resources that i can i can draw on and whatever kind of resources they are really yeah i I mean it makes sense doesn't it it makes sense that we focus on that performance um, from a physical point of view but also we need to concentrate on it from a mental point of view as well and I think that's so important. I think most coaches will probably be doing bits and pieces already without even knowing it. Are you asking them how they're feeling, giving time to, to chat to them just about everyday life, I suppose. So that's already helping and supporting, but it's probably just going that extra mile if it's if it's required and if it's needed. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we... I think Alec, you're going to come on to some stuff that Mark's probably got that can help support the coaches yeah. clubs around here, but... Um, yeah, no, I think it's really important that we, as coaches, try and fit that into our already massive yeah, amount of stuff we have to get across. But... Sort of try and make it part of your planning. Sort of yeah. try and make it part of actually, I want to include this session. Like, let's say your players are struggling against spin, you'd have a spin session. Whereas mm-hmm. if they're struggling with confidence and they're struggling with, I don't know, some sort of mentality, whatever it might be, whether they can actually factor that into the session. And make that a key part of it while doing an exercise. You've got to be a little bit, you've got to think creatively and a little bit outside yeah. of the box. But um, I guess having a go at it is better than not having a go at it. They might take more from it than if you just you don't do anything. So. I would I would say that what we're not saying on here now is that we need to go out and make sure we're, we're pushing every person to have a conversation yeah. and to try and pull out because not everyone will be particularly struggling or um, have any sort of. Uh, struggles at the moment but I think it's something that we need to have in, have in our coaching pack I suppose yeah, yeah we'll our... go to a club in the winter and everyone will be sat down meditating for the hour Fantastic. instead, <laughs> instead. Uh, this might be a good time just I mean whether there's triggers for, for players that um, will just affect them or whether there's triggers that we know about do we know enough about triggers to share them with people or is everybody very different and they're going to have their own triggers? Yeah, I think the key, one of the keys is, is yeah, like we, of course, it's so simple. Everyone's, everyone's different. Everyone will respond differently to, to pressure. So um, it, it, particularly in the, say, the yeah, outside of the professional game, some people will have had a dreadful week at work and they've got all these pressures going on with them, you know, their, their family, work, everything like this, money. And cricket will be something where they just come out, they completely go outside of that and they can still perform really well because it's a release. For others, the problems that they're having more generally might seep into to their cricket. So I think in terms of the, the triggers, the thing that everyone it can, can be able able to do is just to be able to think about the um if there's any kind of drastic change and that might be in how someone appears to be you know whether they they just seem to be disengaged or they're lacking lacking interest um or whether they just they aren't there you know they don't turn up they don't don't engage at at all um that from an outside 
perspective is the one just to be thinking and we get our instinct to be able to say something wasn't quite right and that's in fact what Langle was saying about Glenn Maxwell he, he realized in their group because they're quite you know, that they're sensitive to to each other and, and and how they're feeling that he noticed something wasn't quite right and I think he described it as his, his human instinct of that so those those triggers I mean particularly what we might see in sport is how people might yeah if they do anything particularly differently so if, if people are in a social setting you know hitting the booze a lot more than they would or if people are, are, are quick to anger when usually they wouldn't be or they're just having a really kind of bleak outlook and they're distancing themselves from from people that would be a kind of sign of it but triggers really would come down to a... just again like in physical uh, illness of it can be based around genetic predisposition um your genes have a lot to answer for in that sense um it can also be situational um i.e if someone's gone through a really difficult time uh, lost their job split up from a partner had a bereavement they can be a trigger for something but also um more kind of life choices and situational things in there like for example uh, alcohol or drug abuse or being in particularly stressful environments and a lot of the stuff that, that is researched around this is it, it goes to show that yes everyone has a kind of breaking point but we don't seem to know what, what it is until it happens so um, cricket itself for people could could be a, a, a trigger if people are loading so much pressure on themselves or they're perceiving that from from the situation they're in it could be but I always like to think of it more positively and that cricket's the the release from problems that might exist out, elsewhere but going back to what what Danny said about the you know this is another thing for for coaches to to consider and we've got all the other things that we have to deal with this hopefully after a little bit of a bit of practice is something that finds elements in everything that we already do but I'd always say to people is we're not there to 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 treat someone or to get someone better if they've they've encountered a problem that's for the healthcare professionals but we might be that crucial person in the middle of them not being well to them accessing help through a nurse a doctor a medical professional um so we shouldn't be thinking oh flipping heck if i speak to these players and they all say they've got a problem then how am i going to deal with that you know i've only got time this much time it would just be saying actually you're you're then in the nicest possible way, diverting them off to where there are appropriate channels to support. I think we're going to, we're in the process of uh, sorting out our website and a few other bits and pieces. And we're, we're certainly going to have some, uh, a web page dedicated to, to mental health and wellbeing. And, and we'll make sure opening up on there as well and make sure we've got some resources on how we can point people in the right direction. I yeah. Give them options, I guess, if they don't, if they're not comfortable speaking to people about yeah. it then you've got options to um, to go to. So I think, I mean, to coaches, noticing, I don't want to call them symptoms, but, you know, as in noticing differences in players, noticing differences in behaviours, um, for parents watching, maybe they, especially thinking of teenage years where they spend hours on Xboxes and in their rooms or whatever, they might be doing noticing a difference in them when they're out and about or playing or in training or um, I guess noticing these symptoms will help them maybe um, detect it earlier is that right or 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, the the role of yeah a parent day to day or a coach who'd be have less frequent contact um, is that you're in you're in a position to to see what that person is displaying now. One thing that Michael Yardy said in in his book when when he was talking a lot about how mental ill health affected him in his career is he, he said the greatest thing about depression is it makes you a very good actor. And he talks about when he was driving into Hove one day and he had all these, these problems that were going on. He felt absolutely dreadful. But when he got out of his car and he saw teammates and the opposition and, and supporters and so on, he felt that he had to try and abandon that and show that he was okay and of course if he'd had a broken leg he wouldn't have taken the plaster cast off and tried to walk it off in front of everyone but there is the thing that people can be wanting to to, to not reveal it because of whatever processes are going through their, their mind they don't feel like they, they want to in, yeah. engage with, with people about it but but often there will be signs that can just be picked up that, that people would be able to to see some of those ones that I've mentioned there they're kind of people withdrawing from things that they they are um that they they're usually very keen on doing um their outlook their their mood their sleep you know if sleep changes a lot their appetite changes a lot um and that kind of bleakness of thought that might show itself in how people mm. just kind of refer to themselves or or others and then yeah any big change because what we're all about is not just saying it's something that's a diagnosed disorder it could be that someone's having a rough trot with work and what they probably could do with is someone saying is everything all right and they can just have the license to go well actually and they blow off steam for 10 or 15 minutes about whoever's annoying them in the office or what have you and that bit then is kind of dealt with um, and it doesn't make itself into anything more. Um, that is really powerful as well. And those conversations shouldn't come with a caveat that this needs to be a quote serious problem and you need to be unwell. It's just look, it's good yeah. to talk. It's good to get it off the chest. And the best, the best sporting teams in the world are just characterised by how good their quality of communication is and everyone knows what's going on and people are happy to, to, to speak about things. And there's not a fear of appearing to be weak and others looking at them saying, I can deal with that. Why can't he or she, you know, that's it. Everyone's different and things that I find easy to do. The next person will find difficult and vice versa. So for the coaches or, or the parents being mindful of the fact that the people that are close to them, whether it's a, a child or, 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 a, or a player that you work with, they can have problems with their, their mental health. It's, a, it's something that could happen it's not for us to be scared of. It's that we'd want to kind of spot and look out for it. And the earlier we can maybe get them towards having a bit of help, whether that's just a professional or just just kind of get more sleep, you know, particularly with the kids sometimes. Um, that that sounds really simplistic, but something that can help them is then a step towards things things getting better. And just that general awareness of that yeah. um, is really is there, crucial. With all the heightened awareness and well, of of mental health with professionals talking about it, lots of high kind of influencing people from social media and, and wherever else. Is there a little bit of a danger that maybe people will perceive any changes of mood, any changes of personality, whatever it might be, as a mental health issue? Not if that's probably the wrong word, but mental health. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I know what you mean. I think there can be there could be a concern of people being quite well-meaning and maybe rushing to 
to sort of um, to, to in effect diagnose something as a, as an issue, and then of course the only person that's that's capable of doing that is the the healthcare professional and the doctor will will be able to say right this these are symptoms of clinical depression for example and this is how we're going to help you get better so yeah that awareness does need to be tempered with such a realism uh, with a with a, a yeah that's it and and i always say to people when i speak to them at whichever club or uni or wherever i'm i'm trying to be on people's level and say i'm not a psychotherapist i'm not a doctor i'm someone who's got um a knowledge of this but it's a knowledge that is easily obtained but i'm never trying to 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 do something clinical with anyone so i'll i'll chat to people and i'll I'll talk to friends and hopefully in my own club and and my own environment i'm an approachable person around this i mean it'd be a bit bit odd if i wasn't but it's i'm always making an effort to say okay you're happy to to do this but what are we going to do if you do need something more more supportive And, and also if people are at the other end of it trying to think, oh, well, actually, this is, you know, I'm thinking this person is is suffering with this, that or the other because I've read a bit about it. Just remember, like you would with a physical ailment, you wouldn't be saying, oh, that person definitely got angina because of that. You'd, you'd be saying, well, actually, maybe it's worth speaking to a doctor or ring an NHS direct or something like that. And not taking it all on ourselves because we're worried about others. We're trying to do the best we can. We care about people. Uh, look after yourself as well and if you're not a doctor or you're not that person's psychiatrist or psychologist then then let that other yeah. group of people just be there deal with that for you um yeah well i guess in, in cricket we all know that obviously you go through your ups and your downs and you go through your peaks in form and you um and your kind of poor poorer form but i guess that's something that we'll all know that is is that one ball can turn things around massively and all of a sudden you go from maybe bowling nine overs for no luck and you haven't bowled well and then the 10th over you take three wickets and everything changes and your outlook changes and um, I think it's maybe accepting that in in cricket which is a very frustrating game at times obviously um, there's no need to get all doom and gloom with maybe a couple of poor performances because it turns around very quickly one of those sports that's really up and down isn't it and, yeah. and it's I suppose it's how you deal with the highs and the lows is, is what's what's important and like we spoke about is how you communicate with the people around yeah. you to enjoy the highs but make sure you enjoy the lows together and share yeah. and share that together yeah yeah that, that's it one of the things that um hopefully you can get across to to players is Graham Fowler in his book described cricket as a game based on failure and if you look at the stats of the top batters of all time uh, okay let's push Bradman out of it for a second but if you've got Coley you've got Smith you've got Root whoever else you look at how many 50s they've got how many 100s they've got most of the time they don't get that and we would consider a 50 or a 100 or even if you take it down to a 30 with you know players at club level you would consider that to be to be a success, but what do you do when you don't get that? Because that is yeah. the failure is well, going to average, happen. It's you, inevitable. To get an average, you have to get out. So, yeah, that yeah, perfect. Yeah, and 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 what I said to a, to a couple of players actually when I was down at a club earlier on this summer in Surrey, 
he was saying, you know, he, he's a great front runner, this guy. He's, saying he's brilliant when he bowls his first over and it doesn't go for any and he's looking like he's, he's getting on, his, his length's good and he's starting to get a little bit of drift. This guy's a slow bowler. He's getting a bit of drift as well as the pitch offers something. But if in his first over, he maybe bowls a full toss and he's gone for six or eight, then it's downhill from there. And part of what helped him to be able to deal with that was at the beginning of the game actually saying to himself, being brutally honest and saying, today I will be hit for boundaries. That's going to happen. And that happens to everyone. That happened to Glenn McGrath. That happened to whoever you like. So going out there after acknowledging that, saying I will and I will bowl some bad balls, I will get hit for fours and sixes. Okay, well that's out of the out of the bag now. Well, what can I what can I control? Well, I can make sure that my my run up is is like it usually is. I can make sure that between balls I have a routine. I can make sure that I attempt to stay positive. I can contribute in the field. And he zoned in on what he could control, and he said that that made such a big difference. So then if he did get hit before, he's like, well, I knew that would happen at some point. Do I, what do I do yeah. for the next ball and, and the next ball? And it's dealing, that dealing with failure. And maybe we, do, maybe we don't call it failure. Maybe we call it, you know, yeah. it's just a part of the game. And Donald Bradman, you know, this guy, people in America have heard of him, and they don't even like cricket. And they're like, oh, Donald Bradman, the best sportsman of all time. Well, his average was that famous number but the most common score that he got was zero. So for him, it would be going back and saying, right, I've got zero this time. And he's excited because next time he's probably not going to get that. And But he's putting yeah. the work in to make sure that he does that. So it's really tough. I don't think there's another sport like it really for, for yeah. it being so statistically driven and how players are judged by that. But there are things we can do around our conversations, around people's confidence and, and how you learn from what you've, not done well on to, to ensure that you have your successes. But, but what you said just then is, is exactly the, the, the way of looking at it, that you will have your lows and you will have your highs, but it's, a, it's enjoy, enjoying and enduring them together as a team because it's a team sport, which is so important. And just trying to find that middle ground between not getting too worked up if you do badly, not getting too carried away if you do well. And I was at an event in uh, London this year Wayne Parnell was there and he said that's what's done it for him in this later part of his career just not getting too carried away either way now that's a great philosophy how we do that takes a lot of time and a lot of a lot of reflection but that's where where players should be and where the mentally healthiest people are that they see things a little bit more steady yeah. than the ups I think and the downs it's really important for coaches to remember that as well not just for the players and not just for their players successes and and failures or part of the game as we're calling it but the fact that the coaches you could the, the guys could lose a game that they've played very well in they could lose two games that they've played very well in. and if they're if the coaches are relying so much on it so like performance with the bat if you, you've worked really hard in the week with them um you've got two noughts as a batter but the coaches you work really hard with them in the week as a team they're then going to lose the two games it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean terrible things for you. It just it is part of the game. Like we said, you're going to lose, or things aren't going to go as as well as you want them to. So it's about understanding that, and then thinking about how you react, like we're talking about with players. I think it's that growth mindset, isn't it? That, that you need to just think that yeah, we we may have lost the game, but actually we've improved on our fielding or positive about about those things and making sure that. Players are aware, yeah, we've lost. 
let's be positive and, and think that there is there is some positives out mm. of the result. Uh, just share those, just yeah. be open and have yeah, that that's... conversation, like we said earlier, about what, what we need to do. Yeah. And I, I th- yeah, and, and I think that one thing which is quite a frightening exercise to do if you've you've never done it before is with it, whether it be cricket or whether it be something else, just separate what you can con- actually control and what you can't. So if it's a game of cricket, they say you're a batter. I always use batters as as examples because it's that seems to be the most can be the most punishing part of the game. You're getting a quack and you're off and you've got to listen to everyone in the dressing room and then field and all of that. Uh, not much fun. But if you're a batter and you're thinking, right, I'm getting worried about this, this and this. Well, what can you control? And you look at what goes on in the game and there's not as much that you can control as you think so if it's the umpire here oh he's trigger happy or this guy's um you know this guy's too quick or he bowls too many overs or this guy the short legs talking nonsense and all the rest of it or it's a lucky ground unlucky ground all these things are outside of it focusing on what you can control and making your um your process based around that is the thing which then just gets rid of some of those unhelpful thoughts and just narrows you in on, well, what can I do? So it will be, I can take my guard, I can get my setup right where I feel comfortable. I can get myself to be looking to concentrate and, and, and watch the ball. I can be thinking about my shot selection. And the other stuff, you know what, that bowler could bowl you an absolute jaffer and you're gone. And that happens. And you can walk off and just be saying, well, I couldn't control that because, do you know what, that Yorker, that was just a bit too good for me. But what I'll do in, in the week or what I'll do in the months to come is think, okay, can I practice in my game to ensure that that area I can improve on? So working about what people can control or can't control, um, the things that we can't control that wind us up or irritate us or distract us, the, if we can let go of them, and it's a, it can be a long process, but that's what a lot of the, the sites do with the, the, the pro players, is, is narrowing that, that focus to what you can control. And, and amateur recreational players can, can do that. And you come out of it the other end thinking, actually, my mind's less cluttered because there's less that I can do. The other stuff I'll let happen. And what I can influence... And, and coaches, they can really support with that. I'm already thinking of ways that I can, can support with that. It's, it's amazing to, to think we could have a bit of an influence in that way as well. Yeah, so. massively. Um, just another thing I want to touch on is some ways that players or coaches or parents or whoever's going through any kind of mental um, health drops or dips or um, is how they can deal with it, what they can do, what activities, what things that they can go out and do that will help them or, or might help them, we should say. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the things that I'll suggest here are, are, are just my ideas of what I think probably works the best um but they're applicable to people whether they're having a dip or um, a, a decline uh, or not so things which uh, that this, again a lot of them very very simple but can be easily looked past would be people staying active and connected would be two of the the huge things there so being physically uh, in, in engaging in physical exercise is is, is really important for the endorphins that it creates, the feel-good chemicals. So if someone is encountering a bit of a dip, and I know this from personal experience, if things have not been going too well and I kind of sense that 
things are declining. I might not want to go out for that run or play that game of five-a-side or, or go to the gym. But if I can control it, if I can make myself go along and I know at the end of it I'll feel better, that's something that can make a little bit of a, of a difference. Connecting with people, again, if you engage engaged in a decline in mental health, a lot of the time that will make you feel like you don't want to socialise, like you want to just be at home. So making that effort to say go to the club or, 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 or go for you know a, a coffee with someone again just keeps you connected helps you be able to contextualize where you are it might be that that person starts talking about how they're feeling it, it, it's similar to how you are or what have you um so they're kind of two two generalized um, things but i would always in, endorse two particular activities or or, or training yeah. tools if you like uh, for, for people to get into um, the habit of doing um one of them is is to give meditation a go. Um, it gets a lot of a lot more publicity than it used to. It's been taken away from what people thought it was. That it was a just a Far Eastern practice that involved shutting your mind down and and going around as a Buddhist monk, and that's part of it. But it's something that you can have in your pocket via an app like Headspace, where it's ten or fifteen minutes a day, um, and you find that your ability to de-stress, your ability to switch off, improves. And one of the stats that they found um, in, in university study, University of Cambridge, I think it was about two years ago, people doing it for just four days found that their focus and their concentration and their clarity of mind was improved. And the other really quick one, again, can be done via an app called Grateful, is to, um, is to record a, a little journal, three things each day that you're grateful for and three things that have gone well. And that's just giving your mind, kind of training it to... to automatically look for the positives in things because the negative mindset there's a, a concept called contagion psychologically you think negative a negative thought the likelihood is that the next one will be negative and it continues like that if you flip it around positive contagion would be the, the the counter where you have a positive thought and it's likely to be followed by another one so it's just kind of owning your your mindset that, that can be done there um so they're they're the two which would be things which people can probably have in their pocket in terms of apps or or whatever to be able to take a little bit of control over what they yeah. do for their mental um, fitness there's some there's some very interesting stuff on your website about other so if, if listeners want to go and check out a few more then uh remind me of the website Mark. yeah it's opening up cricket dot com uh, it's going to be redesigned quite shortly but all the content's still on there um a few different links and bits and pieces for people to um awesome and then if to, anyone to if any players then, yeah. or coaches or clubs are thinking about or even county boards that listen to this are thinking about uh how they could promote mental well-being um do you offer anything for those guys yeah uh, there's three things mainly so First of all, if it's for clubs, we do a, a session called Mind and Body, which is about 30, 40 minutes of just of giving an introduction to concepts of mental fitness and, and mental well-being and suicide prevention in, in cricket. That's gone out to about 160 clubs over the, the, the years that we've done it. We've got the coaches workshop, which is more like an hour and a half, two hours, which, um, of course, we did with, with yourselves, which is more around trying yeah. to get it from a coach's perspective and thinking about an action plan of what, what can be done. And what I've just started doing is because we get people from say uh, Australia and New Zealand getting in touch um, is to do stuff via, via Skype. And that's really just if people have 
a, an area that they want to discuss and they want to bounce some ideas around and they want to think about what the best resources are, then I'm available to do stuff like that. Or, of course, just um, over email as well to, to swap some ideas. So people can get in touch about any of them. Uh, my email is mark at openingupcricket.com and we're on all the social media platforms if that's easier just to drop a line and, and yeah, follow awesome. and see what's going Great. on there some, I've listened to a few of the podcasts as well that are on the website so that's very uh, they're very helpful so anybody that wants to get in touch with Mark you've listened back to his email go and check out his website I'm sure the contact details are on there um, I guess that kind of wraps us up um, unless see Danny's been scribbling uh, away yeah so. I was just going to say mate it's so um it's so nice to, to hear you being so so positive about such a, a subject that I know is really close to your heart and that's um and that's really important. You come across so so positive. What what I'll do is I've made a page of notes. So I'll try and um in the notes for the podcast I'll send some information to Alex and Alex will put them on the on the on the notes so we can just get some um, support and again we're obviously like Mark said he's doing his website so are we so yeah. we will uh, we'll get some stuff on our website as well just as a bit of further support to to the listeners and to the to the cricket family out there I suppose but um, mate just for me just a massive thank you you're doing amazing so uh, yeah. just keep up the keep up the good work mate yeah well thanks yeah, for having me on I've enjoyed this chat really, really interesting and really good to actually get into the the bones of it um Hopefully all the listeners have enjoyed it and take a lot from it. Um, and the only thing that's left is for me to plug our own stuff, which is our website, uh, which Danny has mentioned a few times. He's been spending a lot of time on to update. So that'll be yeah. soon. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully soon. <laughs> hopefully soon. Uh, don't hold your breath. No, I'm joking. Um, we have a wicketkeeping um, session with Paul Farbrace on the 5th of December. Information's on the website. Uh, and then go to our Twitter, YouTube, um, or listen back to all the podcasts for some more information. So uh, that about wraps us up. So, Mark, thank you very much again. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Catch Pleasure. Cheers, guys.